when you have your big family dinner, mama's cooked everything, and somebody in the family's not there. Now, that's the way I'll feel Wednesday night if you're not here, Dean. Everybody. No pressure, Dean. So, I pray you'll come be part of that. We'll have a good time. Have a, they've got a great meal planned. So, uh, I pray you'll want to be a part of that. Isn't it great we can celebrate the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ? I tell you, the two greatest things that's ever happened, ever will happen, is the virgin birth and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Those are the, they can tell about, <clears throat> excuse me, all the wonders of the world, but those are the two greatest. They will forever stand. And Romans uh, 10, verse 9 says that if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. So if you don't believe God raised him from the dead, you can't be saved. You've got to believe in the miraculous work of God. It's not what you did. It's what he did. He graced us all by offering salvation to us. He, he paid the ultimate price. And Lord, we just bless you. Uh, put up that scripture in John 19, would you please? <clears throat> I love those songs. We could, we could close with that first one if you want to. But, and then that one that's got that line in it, that life has no end. Life has no end. You just change residence. Eternal, eternity with God or eternity without God. There's a lot of confusion over this week. And I know Angie mentioned it Wednesday night that Jesus Christ was crucified on a Wednesday. And this verse says the Jewish leaders did not want the bodies of the victims to remain on the cross through the next day, which would have been Thursday since it was a day of preparation for a very important Sabbath. The uh, other translation said it was a special tra uh, special Sabbath, and you can look it back up in Exodus also. But there were two Sabbaths that week. And that's where most of the people want to say that he was crucified on Friday and then arose on Sunday. But he was crucified on Wednesday. Now their days, Scripture says, the evening and the morning was the first day. So at sundown on Wednesday, they say, okay, it's Thursday. So it makes it a little bit to sort some of that out. So he was in the grave like Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. And then arose on Sunday morning. But... Regardless of how you believe that, he arose. He arose. And if, his, if, if you've been born again, his resurrection life lives in you. And, and we need to rejoice in that. We, listen, we make life about everything else 
But just think, he's the one that gave us life. What if, what if you had to earn your salvation? There'd probably be more people here today. There'd be more cards they'd want to get their card punched. Listen, he paid the ultimate price. We've all got a past. We all have a future. But, and he knew how messed up I was going to get when he wrote my name in his book before the foundation of the earth. See, it says he wrote your name in the book before the foundation of the earth if you've come to know Christ. He wrote your name down before he even, he planned you before he planned this earth. He, he knew you had to, we had to have a place to play. We had to have a place to grow up. And life goes on. I like that what you said a while ago about there, there's, there's just as much hope for the children today as there was in my generation. I've always looked at a, like a ranch or a farm and a guy goes out there, a young man gets that piece of land and he goes farms or ranch, whatever he does, and he gets old and he moves back to town. That land says next. God says next. We don't know when he's coming back, but we know he is. But until then, we just want to proclaim him and rejoice in him. <clears throat> I want to read you some of the scripture out of John 20. And you can read <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> this passage of scripture. You can find it in Matthew, Mark, Luke. You can find it in all four of the Gospels. And they all give just a little bit. They give different pieces of the puzzle. But Mary Magdalene's a key player in all of them. <clears throat> because it says in one, she was the lady whom Jesus cast seven devils out of. I don't know what they were, but it wasn't good. Let me tell you that. Just like us, we've got to get rid of our garbage. But when he comes in, he comes in to set us free. <clears throat> so Mary and some other ladies have made their way to the garden. And she finds an empty tomb. And she runs to go find the big boys, Peter and John. And she tells them. It doesn't say that she looked in, but she knew it was empty, so she apparently did. And they come running back, and John's writing this, and he doesn't name himself. He just says, and one apostle or disciple outrun the other. John was the young when Peter was the older. So John outran him. And he came back, and he looked in, but he didn't go in. But what about Peter? Uh, no holes barred for Peter. He just walks right in to the tomb. That's just typical Peter. But when John looked in verse 15, or verse 8, the other disciple who had reached the tomb first went in. And after one look, he believed. For until then, he hadn't understood the Scripture that it prophesied that he was destined to rise from the dead. Puzzled Peter and the other disciples, they went back home. 
but Mary. Say, but Mary. Mary arrived back at the tomb, broken and sobbing. She stopped to peer inside, and through her tears she saw two angels in dazzling white robes sitting where Jesus' body had been laid, one at the head and one at the feet. Why was she crying? Listen, she'd met a man that gave her life, that restored her life, and he's the only one that can give you life. I don't care what you're hoping for, <clears throat> whether it's riches, fame, or prosperity. Jesus is the only one who can give us life. Dear woman, why are you crying? Mary answered. They have taken away my Lord, and I don't know where they've laid him. Then she turned around to leave, and there was Jesus standing in front of her, but she didn't realize it was him. He said to her, Dear woman, why are you crying? Who are you looking for? Mary answered, thinking he was the gardener. Sir, if you have taken his body somewhere else, tell me where and I will go and marry. Jesus interrupted her. And turning to face him, she said, Rabona, which in the Aramaic which they spoke in that day and time, meant my teacher. Jesus cautioned her, Mary, don't cling to me. I have not yet ascended to God, my Father. And He's not only my Father and God, now He's your Father and your God. Can't we say that? Can't we shout that today? That He's our God and our Father because Jesus Christ arose. He paid the debt. Now go to my brothers. This is the first time in John that Jesus has called the disciples brothers. And tell them what I'm telling you. That I'm ascending to my Father, to your Father, my God, and your God. Jesus, <clears throat> they had all worshipped in a temple. Jesus took his own blood and went into the heavenly holy of holies. Presented his blood to the Father to complete that whole process. said, Mary, you can't cling to me. This is not the old life now where you and I would sit down and have fellowship. She was going to know him in a different way. She goes and tells the disciples, but you know, they didn't really believe her. In one of the other versions, talks about when Jesus came, he reprimanded them because they didn't believe what she'd said. And you know, sometimes we'll hear someone tell a good testimony they got healed or God did something. and It's just easy to say, mm, I wonder if that's really true. I mean that, we talk about the Antichrist spirit. Say, listen, that's an Antichrist when we don't believe Him. Wherever you're at in the process, however much of the gospel you believe, you keep believing, and through that believing and growing in the Lord, He'll continue to increase the things he, he wants you to know. But that evening, the disciples gathered together, and because they were afraid of reprisals from the Jewish leaders, they'd locked the door. But suddenly, Jesus appeared among them. What about that? What if he just... Maybe you see an angel in here this morning. I mean, Jesus can show up any time. See, the life in us is the life of the one who sits on the throne. 
When you get born again, His life comes, comes into you. He appeared to him. Peace to you. Then he showed him the wounds of his hands and his side, and they were overjoyed to see the Lord with their eyes. Jesus repeated the greeting, Peace to you. And he told him, Just as the Father has sent me, I'm now sending you. This is the part of the message we as the church don't want to believe. That as Jesus sent the twelve, he chose us. Some of y'all say amen, praise the Lord. Then them babies are having to cry out back there because we're not crying out or not. They're not bothering me and they're sure not bothering the Lord. But Grandma's happy to hold them. Then he showed him his sides, his hands. But now I'm sending you. Then he takes a deep breath and he blew on them and said, Receive you the Holy Spirit. See, 50 days from today, June the 7th, we'll celebrate Pentecost. 50 days between. But the disciples got a 50-day start on everybody else. The ones that were there. They got saved. They got filled with the Spirit. But you know, Thomas wasn't there that day. And they told him about it. Yeah, he said, right. I'll believe it. That's why the the term, you've heard doubting Thomas all your life. When I see it, I'll believe it. Well, the next week, when they met Thomas, he didn't want to miss again. I'm telling you, if Jesus appears in here today, there'll be people here next week that wasn't here because they say, I don't want to miss another Sunday. And Jesus, what did Jesus do? He just called him out. He said, come here, Thomas. Come look. Come look. Of course, all Thomas could do was just cry out, my Lord and my God. I mean, we all have to repent of our doubts and our unbelief. But there's, there's so many things going on into the world. Listen, our generation, we, we need the gospel. This world needs the world situation. You can talk about Ukraine, Russia. You can talk about our nation is a mess. Let me read you some things going on in our country. Of course, you know gas prices have skyrocketed. Part of the larger plan to eliminate, eliminate fossil fuels and just to weaken America. A poll finds Americans are split. They're divided over teaching racism and sexuality in K-12 classes. Well, I'm going to tell you, that's not the government's job. That's mom and daddy's job to teach that. Come on. What about this one? A father writes of teaching his 12-year-old son to masturbate. See, that's just common things that's going on around. And the church, we've got to make our stand in this. And parents, come on. It's time for parents to stand up. Men, it's time for godly men to stand up. We've got to all make our stand. Disney's secret plan to ruin sports and corrupt children. Maybe you read about the preschool teacher has gone viral on social media after describing how she teaches her young, impressionable students about her personal life, including the fact that the teacher is polyamorous, gender-fluid, 
not identifying either as a female or a male, and that she's a pagan witch. Come on, there was a boy from Owasa on TV, I think, the other night. A gay teacher just proclaiming what he believes and what he can say. This is a, where we're trying to raise our kids. We need God in every area of our life. And listen, if you don't get it at home, you won't live it. It's hard. It's hard growing up in it to want to live it. It's a battle. It's a battle for every one of us. And we can talk about the Antichrist all you want to, but I'm going to tell you, you just think every time we want to turn and not stand in the fight, how Antichrist we are when we don't make a stand. Here, here's another one. Lance Wall now and Clay Clark had part of a presentation from a guy, and I never did get his name right. His first name was Klotz, is all I know. <clears throat> but he's for the Great Reset. We need a great spiritual awakening. It's what we need, not a reset. Let me tell you what the reset is. It declares, first thing he said was, this is the end of the free will. You don't need a free will. In other words, you don't need to make your own choices. Big government can do a better job than you can. Free will is bad. Free will is over. We need to connect the brains together. And we can use computers and do a lot of things like that. Listen, there's more of that techie stuff going on than, than I know about. And said, this will change you from God's image to a tech image so they can monitor your every move. And then they're saying, humans are hack animals. In other words, we can do with them and manipulate them however we want. Then they said, what do you do with a human when they're not productive? Well, Dixie and I pulled up this morning. She said, well, we're the first ones here. I said, well, when we retire, we'll have to let us keep a key so we can unlock the door. We want to be doing something. You know, they're trying to figure out what do you do with a human that's not productive. That ought to scare some of you. They're saying Jesus was raised from the dead is fake news. Their plan is to have high tech put in your body. And it's closer than you think. They're selling the great idea of the reset. And we need the great spiritual awakening. We need to elect people that are nationalist. That would be for our nation, not globalist. The globalist is a one world government. That's part of what's going on in Ukraine because the headquarters of the one world government was in the Ukraine. So there's more going on in this war than uh, I know we know about. <clears throat> Look at uh, Luke chapter 23. Verse 34. while they were nailing Jesus to the cross. Now, can you imagine that? You imagine the nails driven in your hands. Imagine 
a nail driven through both of your feet. Jesus knew he could get through it as a son of God, but he knew he had to get through it as a human being with a body just like ours. But while they were nailing Jesus to the cross, he prayed over and over, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Now you talk about, you want to know what love is? You know what forgiveness is? See, we don't have that apart from him. And that's what he's trying to grow into all of us. That's what the Holy Spirit is shedding abroad, the love of Jesus in our heart. The soldiers crucified him, gambled over his, his clothing. They made fun of him. Verse 36, they joined in the mockery, offering Jesus a drink of vinegar. But above him they had the inscription in Greek, Latin, and Aramaic. This man is the king of the Jews. And they laughed at him. Listen, there's plenty of people who laugh today. I told Brother David this morning, everybody doesn't believe in Jesus. But I don't know how anyone throughout all the earth today couldn't be thinking about it because there's so much said about it today. They try not to think about it. Someday he's coming again. See, there's just an inner part built into us that we know this thing didn't just happen. That somebody planned all this. And if somebody planned it, they've got a purpose in it. And there will be an end to it sometime. And for a Christian, it'll be great. It'll be glorious. For those that reject Christ, it's an et eternity in hell. But he was crucified between the two. And verse 39 says, One of the criminals hanging on the cross next to Jesus kept ridiculing him, saying, What kind of Messiah are you? Save yourself and save us from death. The criminal hanging on the other cross rebuked a man, saying, Don't you fear God? You're about to die. We deserve to be condemned. We're just being repaid for what we have done. But this man, he's done nothing wrong. I mean, that thief knew Jesus Christ was an innocent man. Then he said, I beg you, Jesus, show me grace and take me with you into the everlasting kingdom. Jesus responded, I promise you, this very day you'll enter paradise with me. I thought, you know, I've just recently read through those scriptures Jesus, as they're nailing him to the cross, is saying, forgive him. As he's hanging on the cross, he's being ridiculed, but one says, remember me. He doesn't reject anybody that comes to him. Today you will be with me in paradise. Today. See, you can come in here, it's the worst person, sinner that ever was, and see who Jesus was, that he was God's perfect lamb, that he'd paid for all your sins, and you can accept him and you can walk out of here as white as snow. You can stand before God without guilt, fear, or condemnation because he said today. Today I'll write your name in my book. In fact, I've already written it down. I've just been waiting on you to realize what, what you have, 
what you have. See, we, we just make things so hard. I beg you, Jesus. Listen, he didn't have to beg him. He said, today. Today. Let me show you another passage here. In Luke 14. There's a cost of following Jesus. Say, there's a cost. Now, he paid the ultimate price. As massive crowds followed Jesus, he turned to them and said, when you follow me as my disciple, you must put aside your father, your mother, your wife, your sisters, your brothers, it will even seem as though you hate your own life. This is the price you'll pay to be considered one of my followers. You don't get very many amens on those kind of scriptures. Those were the words of the living Christ. See, we talk about idols, and we think of an idol as something that you build and you get down and worship. Well, no, idols are anything that has more importance in your life every day than the person of Jesus Christ. And that's what he said, it's, that's got to go. He said, if it's your dad, if it's your mom, if it's your wife, if it's your children, if it's your career. I remember a time when I saw my career going out the window and I, it was just really getting going. Because the Lord said, you need to go deal with that and get it straight. And he had, you know, if he tells you to do something, he'll grace you and get you through it. And he did me. But an idol can be your career. It can be your job. It can be your business. It can be maybe your spare time. I don't know. He said, there's a cost. Anyone who comes to me must be willing to share my cross and experience it as his own or he cannot be considered to be my disciple. We remember this story as a family because we heard a guy preach it. He was going to be in a church and he was going to preach all week and this one guy was always there but he told the evangelist he said, I won't be, thir won't be here Thursday night and the guy didn't ask him why? He said, because uh, that was his, I believe, bowling night. But that Thursday night, he was there. <clears throat> and he went to the evangelist. He said, you know why I was here? No. He said, I asked Jesus where he wanted to go. If he wanted to go bowling, did he wanted to go to church. He said he wanted to go to church. But see, today, we just take all that for granted. We do what we're the land of the free and the home of the brave. And we wonder why the church today isn't seeing the dead raised like it did in the book of Acts. Come on. He's calling us to be the church. See, I don't want to, I don't want to be the one. <clears throat> one guy said it like this. I want to find the guy that told me if I'd give everything over to Jesus' life, it'd be a cup of cherries or something, you know, bowl of cherries. He said that was a lie. Because in Christian life, you're either in a storm, going through a storm, or coming out of a storm. 
I mean, there are troubles in life, whether you're saved or lost. There's issues and things that happen. And I'm not telling if you give everything to Jesus, life will always be great, but it'll, you'll have eternal life in Him. And He is faithful. He has got me through every storm. He's got me through every wreck and mistake I caused. He's worked me out of it. And He will for you. He is the one who straightens out our paths. But there is a cost. So don't follow me without considering what it'll cost you. For who would construct a house before sitting down to estimate the cost to complete it? Otherwise, he may lay the foundation not be able to finish. Your neighbors will ridicule you. Look at what he started. But he couldn't complete it. Have you ever heard of a commander who goes out to war without first sitting down with strategic plans to determine the strength of his army to win the war against a stronger opponent? If he knows he doesn't stand a chance of winning the war, the wise commander will send out delegates to ask for terms of peace. Likewise, unless you surrender all to me, giving up all your possess, you cannot be one of my disciples. One of the first few years we were out here, this location, one of the people came to me and said, well, here, here's the latest rumor about us. If you join Ascension Church, you've got to give everything you got to the church. Well, that's, that never was the case. It never will be. And there's not a person in here that I've ever demanded that you do something. But Jesus said, I just want you to know, if you want, to, you want me to save your life and take you to heaven, I want you to say, everything I've got belongs to me. He wants you to say, Lord, I give it all to you. That's what he's talking about. There is a cost to following Jesus. See, you're wondering why maybe our prayers aren't getting answered. Why does this not happen for me and it happens to someone else? He wants all of you. See, I always wanted all of him. I wanted him to do so much for me. And he said, Cheryl, mm, what about this? See, he may tell you to stop doing something. He may tell you to add something that you need, need to do. Do you think a holy God's going to come and live in you and leave you alone? Mark, it'll be forever. You might as well raise both hands and surrender. He's on your trail. He's got your, he's, he knows your name. He knows all about us and loves us, but he loves us too much to leave us alone. He just keeps drawing us. You know what? There's not a parent in here that doesn't want the best for your kids. You go back there and try to take one of them babies away from mom and daddy. You go try to take them away from grandma. I mean, they'll fight to the death for those kids. Abba Father fights for us. He is our Lord. He's our God. But he said, you want to walk with me? This is the way. This is the way. Let's walk with him. John 5.24 says, In me you've already passed from the realm of death into eternal life. I like that. Life has no end. 
Let me, I'm going to read you a few verses out of John 6 here. Let's see if we can close with this. John 6, uh, 35. Jesus said to them, I'm the bread of life. Come every day to me and you'll never be hungry. That doesn't mean just Sunday. It doesn't mean just Wednesday. See, we've got to have that resurrection life every day. Come to me every day. Believe in me and you'll never be thirsty. Yet I've told you, even though you've seen me, you still don't believe in me. Thomas saw his hands and he repented. Lord, forgive me of, of doubting you. Verse 43. The only way people come to me is by the Father who sent me. He who pulls on their hearts to embrace me. Listen, you'll never be saved if God doesn't put it in your heart. He puts that desire then, but then your will makes the choice. And let me tell you, your will will always align with God's will. The will. But then we're apt to want to, I'm going to think about it a day or two. You know, and, and when you put it off, you don't do it. You don't do it. You have to make those decisions. Verse 55, my body is real food for your spirit, and my blood is real drink. See, these are words of eternal life. <clears throat> Jesus Christ paid the ultimate price for us. Look back at John 20, <clears throat> verse 21. Jesus repeated this greetings, peace to you. He told him, just as the Father sent me, I'm now sending you. And they had an opportunity to receive the Holy Spirit. We don't have to wait. Pentecost has already happened. The Holy Spirit is here. <clears throat> now, an old-time Pentecostal would be upset by hearing me say, you need a fresh filling. Because they just believe, I've got it, and that settles it. Listen, you've got it, but there's many fillings. And I'm going to tell you, the church in America, the church in Skytook, Ascension Church, Gerald Freeman needs a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit, a fresh baptism of the Holy Spirit. You remember how it used to be? You remember that? We've got to repent and come back to our first love. That's what he, t he told that church. You've done this and this, but you've lost your left your first love. It's easy. These idols just get in the road. I'm telling you. We, we've invested so much time and energy in things that will not make a difference in eternity. How much time are you putting in on your kids? Spiritually. See, there's just so many things. Unless you surrendered it all to me, you can't be my disciple. You've accepted Jesus. 
I believe when life's over, you go to be with the Lord. But unless you decide you want to be a disciple, you'll not reap what he has for you in this life. I want to hear him say at the end, well done. I want to say, I'm say he, he fought the fight. He did what God called him to do. You can't let your past control you. You've got to believe the Word of God and the future He has for you. I promise you God loves you. And you cannot fix yourself. You can't do it. Willpower will not do it. That's a New Year's resolution. It might last all day. And that's about it. But when the Holy Spirit of God puts His finger on you and says, you stop that or you start this, it's not all stop. It's He wants to add to you. I challenge you today. You're either in one or three groups. You've never really accepted Jesus Christ as Lord. You need to do that today. And if you've been saved and you know you're not living for God the way you ought, you ought to let Him fill you with His Spirit. That's God's will for you. That he could live his life through you. And if you're filled with his spirit, you know God's got more for you. You know there's more. And we're to let our light shine in this generation, in this day and time. Let's just stand. Lord, I bless you. I thank you. I praise you. Lord, I thank you that in your mercy and grace you chose me. Lord, I love my church family. I want your best for them. Lord, I pray you open all of our eyes to areas that we need to give you. Any area we're blinded in. 